Hi, I'm Josie Brown of Author Provocateur. Today I'm interviewing contemporary romance author Maggie Marr, who writes about three of my favorite subjects. Her Hollywood Girls Club series follows women who are power players in the entertainment field. Her eligible billionaires books are about men with money who are still looking for love in all the wrong places. And her wonderful love Bad Boy series is about guys who think they know it all and have it all when it comes to love. Maggie, this is Josie. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Josie? I'm doing great. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to do uh, Barbara's event. You know, I got to do an event here in LA with her uh, this spring because she came out and did our California Dreaming event. Right. Um, And it was amazing. So I can't wait to see what Milwaukee's like. People just rave about it. Well, Milwaukee is very crazy. Um, if you can imagine that, you know, like, you know, LAX, right? So imagine one of the, uh, airport hotels <laughs> filled with 500 very, um, avid readers who are very excited oh about meeting you. And they also have rooms in the hotel. So they pretty much know their authors when they see them only because, you know, we all look like our picture in the back of the book, right? <laughs> Wow, you are actually someone who worked in Hollywood, who wrote about Hollywood. (laughs) So, you know, tell me, how did you transition from being a talent agent to an author? Oh, you know, it's a pretty good story. So I was an attorney and I started in the mailroom, became an agent in film and TV. So I had always been a writer, but I grew up in the Midwest, and most Midwesterners don't become writers. We become attorneys or doctors if we're good with either math or write or words. Right. So I had become um, a junior agent, but I still wrote as a hobby. So junior agents don't get paid a lot of money, and it was my husband who suggested that if we were to sell the book that I scribbled on, we could pay for preschool for our first daughter. I said to him, I go, no, I'm an agent. That's what I'm doing. I, you know, went through the mailroom. I worked my way up. This is what I do now. And he said, okay. But what I did is that I had colleagues in New York who sold uh, manuscripts to publishing because ICM is a big agency that is multifaceted. And I sold, you know, screenplays and uh, screenplay writers and directors to the film industry. So we would pass things to each other. I would have my colleagues in New York would send me some of their book authors' screenplays, and I would try to set those up. And if I had screenplay writers who had written a manuscript, I would send it to my colleague in New York, and they would try to sell it. So I had a really good friend. Her name is Andy Barsby. She's still an agent in the industry, um, but now she only does nonfiction. I forwarded her uh, the first half of my manuscript, but I was a coward, and I did not put my name on it. Oh. Because I thought, you know, if this nothing's going to happen with this, and I don't want to ruin my agent career because that's what I intend to do. And so about a week later, Andy called me from New York and she said, oh my God, she said, who wrote this? And I was really taken aback and I paused and I said, Andy, do you really want to know who wrote this? She goes, oh, you wrote this. <laughs> I said, I, I did write it. She goes, if you finish it, I can sell it. Oh, wow. And I said, okay, so... I did this thing that agents never do. I took a week off of vacation time and I said to my husband, you, you two are going to pretend like I'm at work 
And basically I wrote 12 hours a day for seven days to finish the manuscript. And I sent it to her and she and her assistant went through it and we edited it back and forth. And she took it out to New York and she took it out under a pen name because she too realized that if it didn't sell or if things didn't work out, I still wanted to agent. Right. Right. right, Of course. What happened? Right. Well, what happened was, is it lightning struck? It was one of those moments in time that you never think will happen. But what happened was, is it were two houses that wanted it and they proceeded to enter into a bidding war for the book. Wow. And so it ended up being a major two book deal. Um, and so the deal memo is, was common practice then when I was agenting, the deal memo went out from the agent who had made a sale. Andy's mentor in New York was Esther Newberg, oh my who God. was a very famous yes. literary agent, right? And right. I loved, loved Esther. She was very, always very generous and kind to me, but she pulled Andy aside and said, who wrote this book? I know someone within the agency wrote it and we're going to send the deal memo out with their real name. Oh. And Andy told her, you know, Maggie, Maggie wrote it. And she said, okay, tell Maggie, she has an hour. She needs to tell whoever she needs to tell on the West coast so that they don't get blindsided because agencies are, you know, are small communities of individuals that you have mentors and people and colleagues that help you nurture your career. Right. So Andy calls me and says, Esther's sending the deal memo out with your name. You need to go tell whoever. So my mentor at that time at the agency was Nick Reed. He was the head of the motion picture department. Right. So I walk into Nick's office and I say, and keep in mind, I also did subsidiary rights. So not only did I work with screenplay writers and directors, I also sold books to film and TV. Right. So I walk into Nick's office and I said, Nick, I, I have something to tell you. He goes, okay, what is it? I said, well, I sold a book. And he goes, that's great, Maggie. What studio? What book? I said, no, <laughs> I did not sell a book to TV and film. I wrote a book and Andy sold it in New York. That's too for funny. For publishing. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was very excited and he, everybody was thrilled and it was wonderful. And the deal memo went out and I actually went home a little early that day because it was just a little surreal to have my colleagues congratulating me for my work instead of <laughs> what I had been able to do for my client's work. Right. Uh, it was a little bit through the looking glass. And, um, but it was a two book deal. And what I quickly figured out because the book sold, I think it sold in October. And what I quickly figured out is that writing a book under a deadline is very different than writing a book in your spare time. Right. Right. I think it was June the next year, my contract was coming up and ICM offered me another contract as an agent. But I said to them, you know what? I think I'm going to go and work on this second book because it's due. Right. And it just seemed like the perfect way to kind of segue into writing. And then also at that time, uh, we were preparing for our second child. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was sort of like the best of both worlds. Your, right. your but, personal but and your professional. Yeah, yeah it, it really was. But the thing about entertainment is that once you're in, you never really get out. <laughs> well, you know what? I was just thinking, you know, I've been, I, 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 I was reading the description of your Hollywood books and I was thinking she could sell that to TV. Have yeah, you, we do that dance almost every year. Somebody <laughs> that I know or a producer will come and say, hey, has anyone optioned that? And I'll say, it's been optioned once before, but it's available now. And they'll go, okay. 
And sometimes we might get an offer or something, but it's never, it's never happened. I, I still, I still think that someday someone's going to come for that book because it really would make a great TV show. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got the, you know, the four fabulous women there, you know, all the, all the drama and the clashes and the, and the Hollywood, you know, glam going with it. I think it would make Mm -hmm. a great, a great TV show. So you know, I didn't say it first, but I'm not saying it last either. So I think that's that's a big plus. I will say that seeing all the different ways that writers can write, I often would say um, to my clients, you know, when they would say, I'm thinking about writing a book, I'm thinking about writing a screenplay, maybe I'll get into TV. I would say to them, so, so here's how, in my opinion, it goes. If you don't want anyone to mess with your words, you write a book. Because even if a house picks it up, you can set the changes, right? You can say, I'm not making that change. Exactly, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you want to have a visual representation of your work and you don't want to get messed with too much, then you go into TV. Because the, the showrunner is king, right? And the showrunner is often the creator and the writer of the pilot. Right. Now, if you want to get totally messed with, you write a screenplay. Because you will get rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And you may or may not get credit for the screenplay that you wrote. But unless you are, you know, one of, say, five or ten screenplay writers, that is, may not be the screenplay that you originally sold. And you will have no control over how it turns out in the movie on the screen. Exactly, so um, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. You know, I hear you and I, I can, I can just envision the whole process exactly like you said it. I want to ask you about your series. You've got your Hollywood power puffs and you also write about billionaires, which I think is kind of cool. So, um, and you write about Hollywood hitmen, which I think is a good little, a good little twist there. And you write small town as well. What do you, what do you like writing the best? It's really hard to say. I mean, the thing that is so interesting is that I've, I've done, you know, what they say not to do, which is to hop around. I've totally done that. <laughs> I, I, um, I really, the billionaires, I loved reading about billionaires. And that kind of was the reason why I originally thought I would try writing a billionaire. Because my entry back into romance, I had been a romance reader as my mom was when I was really young. And then I did that thing where I went away to college and graduate school and I didn't read much fiction. And then as I started to get back into writing and being with my kids, my entry back in was through Harlequin Presents. I I loved those books and I really wanted to write a billionaire book. So I started and I just, you know, kept writing them and they, they came out in the last four in that series were four brothers because the idea of brothers really appeals to me. So I loved writing them and I have four more brothers that I want to write uh, that are billionaires as well, but that's probably not going to take place until 2019. Right. The Hollywood girls club books, there are definitely two or three more books in my head. It's just circling back to them and, and telling more of their stories because I really love them. And then it's not up right now, but I have a, a kind of a younger edition called the Glamour series of, of Hollywood. And they're meant to be younger, newer stars and young people in Hollywood. And though that we took that down because they're being recovered. And so all the recovered books for that series should be up again by, I think, April or May of 2018. Right. 
So, um, and that's in Hollywood as well. I, the one through line I can see is that even in my billionaire books, there is a common thread of Los Angeles and the entertainment community. Right. It's always there. And um, so I think, I'm not sure which I love. Even in the, the small town book, Courting Trouble, she's a divorce attorney in L.A. Right, right. And it opens on a scene with a, the second scene in the book. It's her dealing with a, a, a woman who used to be a star who's getting divorced from her husband. So there's always that element because, like I said, once you kind of immerse yourself in that world, you never really get out of that world. Right. That's been my experience. No, I th- and I think it's always good to, because it's something you could tap. It's part of your soul now. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, like you said, even if you place it in a small town, look at where she came from and what she's dealing with emotionally mm-hmm. and how that affects. When she goes home. Right, yeah. right, which I think is, is kind of, it, it kind of brings the two worlds colliding, you know, worlds colliding together there. Uh, what books will you be bringing with you to Barbara Bay? So I've been noodling that in a little bit. What do I bring? And I do know that I've got a book coming out um, January, and then I will probably have another book coming out right before we go to Barbara's. I I was kind of, and it will be the second book in the Hollywood Hitman series. So I was thinking about possibly bringing, you know, book one in a couple of the series, as well as the two newest releases. You know, it's funny what you when you brought up the the um, the uh, you know the intention or the idea that you know, hey, I'm not writing my typical genre. You know, like when you're getting away from glamlet because you're writing something else, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're not gonna they're not gonna pick up what you write next. To me, they they love your writing voice and that's what they're following. And you know, you've already proven you've got a great writing voice. So all they want to see is what what story is she going to take me on next. I think you've proven that you, you, know, you, you do the same thing. You know, people are reading you oh, for your voice. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. Thank you so much. Want to hear more about the authors who will be attending the Barbara Bay Reader Appreciation Weekend? Just go to my website, authorprovocateur.com, and click on to the other interviews. You'll also find them on the event's Facebook page. And beneath each interview, feel free to leave a comment about your favorite part of it. Doing so puts you in the running for a bundle of the author's books. Listeners can leave one comment per author to be entered for the drawing. This is Josie Brown of Author Provocateur, signing off.